Hey, John, how's it going? Good, Brandon. How you doing? I'm doing great. You're going to be flying out here tomorrow to come to Eureka Springs, Arkansas for the Pinnacle Concrete Camp. Yeah, excited. And we'll be doing coming out actually early for a few days, and we're going to do some product videos. So that'll be That's right. fun. Yeah. It'll be a good time. And for anybody listening, by the time this goes live, today is Wednesday that we're recording. It'll probably go live Thursday or Friday. You still have time. You could still hop in your car and get here by Monday for the Pinnacle Concrete Camp for six days of training with Dusty Baker, John Schuler, and Brandon Gore, the best training in the world on decorative concrete. So yeah. if you can get in, great. And if you miss this class, we'll have another one in the spring at some point, probably February or March. I've gotten probably 10 emails asking for people that couldn't make it to this one when the next one is. We haven't set the date yet, but we will. We're just kind of waiting to see what happens with COVID in this fall spike to see if there's a, a surge or anything that's going to uh, impact travel. But so we're thinking February or March. But anyways, yeah. so we're gonna, we have that going on. That's going to be a lot of fun. What else is going on with you? Not too much, man. Just rolling along, rolling along. Cool. Business going good right now. Just, you know, packing everything up and dealing with family because I'm going to be out your, your way for what, 10 days. Well, it's going to be a good time. Should be so really good. typically we interview a concrete artisan in the trade for the podcast. On this episode, we're going to, or I'm going to interview John Schuler. John Schuler, the myth, the legend, the enigma. So hello, John. Hello, Brandon. How are you? Yeah, today I get to be in the Good. hot seat. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All the hard you questions. Are you I'm ready. Underwear today? I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. Well, let's start, let's start with the softball. So, let's, let's start with the, you know, like a, a what's that, a, a, a slow pitch or soft pitch question, whatever they call that. I don't even know. How did you get into concrete? How did John Schuler? well, before we do that, I know that you were a chemist before. Yeah. So, so first... Tell me about your background in chemistry. What did you do pr prior okay. to concrete? Yeah, so before I came this direction, yeah, I, I mean, I have a couple bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry, and then I followed that with going into pharmacy school, stayed in pharmacy, and gra finally graduated with my doctor of pharmaceutical medicine, and found out pretty quickly I hated it. Had some personal things happen during, during that period of my life, which also pushed me a certain direction, but found out pretty quickly, yeah, standing, I called it my three by three box, counting by fives, and maybe answering someone's question, like, doctor, we need a consult, so you read the label back to whomever was getting it, and I just felt like, man, what monkey can't do this? In other words, for me personally, it was not fulfilling. So my wife and I at that time made a conscious choice. We had been talking about having children and so forth and so on. So we found some property up in the Murphy's area where my family's from, where I grew up. We purchased that property. Very quickly, what I thought was going to be a six, eight month hiatus of me remodeling our own cabin. It's a cabin we have on in Murphy's. And then I was going to, which I thought I was going to end up going to work for one of the local pharmacies here. And instead I just made a decision, man. I mean, um, here's the nice thing, education out of all things you can lose 
you know, as you move ahead in life, you lose your vision, whatever, lose your faculties, you can lose your license. There's lots of things you can lose, but you never lose an education. So that's the kind of the way I looked at it. At this time when we moved up here, I think it was the early 2000s, construction was going huge. And I just kind of looked around after doing the remodel and thought, man, why don't I stick with this for a while? That's what I grew up doing. My, my grandfather was a contractor. So started a business doing that, got uh, my contractor's license. And before I knew it, it just exploded. I was doing remodels. I had employees. Um, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy how fast that went. And during that period of time, that's when, let's see, there was Futong Chang and Buddy Rhodes, and people were reading these books about concrete countertops. So I had some clients ask us for them when they were doing a bathroom or kitchen remodel. And I thought, what the heck? I got involved with that. And for me personally, found out pretty quickly that they were not as durable as I would personally like them. So I had no problem doing them for clients, but I had no interest in doing them for myself, which then led me down to another path as like, well, wait a minute. As these things were being asked of us more and more, why not look at start looking at it from a different direction? So that's that's kind of how I got into it originally and how I started navigating to, to the point that we are now over the last 20 some odd years. And what year would you say it was that you started experimenting with concrete countertops? I'm going to say it was around two, three, maybe 2003, 2005, somewhere in that neighborhood, plus or minus. Did you take any classes during that time frame on concrete or was it all just your own self, you know, you're doing your own stuff to kind of test things? Well, you know, that's actually a touchy conversation, but well, let's get into it. 99% <laughs> of it do, did all myself. Leaned back on my chemistry background, started looking at concrete from a very different direction. At that time, made a lot of phone calls to di different raw materials manufacturers, uh, product suppliers, and these kind of things. The funny thing, well, now looking back, it's funny. During that period of time, an individual that I would have lots of conversations with, I would say, you know, if not weekly, it was definitely a couple, two, three times a month, was a guy named Jeff Girard, believe it or not. And Jeff and I, well, there was quite a few other people too. We had this small group of individuals, Joe Bates, Ola Linensky, James McGregor, Ron Mills, and I could go on with a, a longer list of individuals that all of us were playing with concrete and coming up with ideas on how to make it more dense and more durable and, you know, a sealer that would work better with it and uh, better scrims and, you know, uh, primary reinforcements. And, you know, anyway, the list goes on. At this time, I was doing almost exclusively upright casting. Jeff Gerard and me, we came up with this idea. He was going to start offering upright casting. And he offered me to come out to, I think they were in North Carolina at the time, Raleigh, I believe, Raleigh, North Carolina. And we were going to trade time, trade time. I came out for the course he was intending to offer as a trade. I would stay for his precasting, which I, at this point, was doing zero conventional precasting. So it was a good time. I just put it very nicely. 
they they asked me to be very honest. And I think they found out pretty quickly, like a lot of people sometimes do when they get to meet me, is if you ask me to be very honest, then I end up quite blunt and quite direct. Let's just say for a while we didn't get along after that. But his precast was good. I mean, you know. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is, is it fair to say that you learned everything about concrete from Jeff Gerard? Is it fair to say that? <laughs> No, I like Jeff though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Jeff and Lane, they're, they're great people, but yeah, I would say our relationship started off on a, well, initially phone conversations, but post that it started off on a very rocky relationship. Yeah. Which I think over the years we've, we've overcome and become quite cordial for a while. I don't know if you remember this, but for a while we worked together when Sean Hayes who had Buddy Rhodes products at the time, actually, let's say, absorbed or purchased the uh, Concrete Countertop Institute. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want right. to go back to, is it fair to say that you learned 90% of what you know about concrete from Jeff Gerard? <laughs> Why are we putting Jeff Gerard? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just trying no, to quantify. I mean, if we want to get touchy about it. But, I'm just messing with you. I'm just no. messing with you. I think it's I think it's funny. The battle, the battle of the brains. You know, right. Jeff is a smart guy, you're a smart guy, and the smartest guys in the room always try to jockey to see who's smarter. Right. I guess. Who's the biggest brain in the room? No, I, I mean I like Jeff. Yeah. I like Jeff. I think they're great people. My personality, I think, sometimes can be difficult for some people to get used to. Yeah. Especially in those in those kind of situations. That's kind of the early <laughs> relationship with Jeff Gerard and the Concrete Countertop Institute. Let's continue this linear walk down memory lane. So <laughs> okay. you started in pharmaceuticals, got your, got your doctorate in, yeah. what, what did you get your doctorate in? Doctor of Pharmaceutical Medicine. So believe it or not, it, I mean, you won't, yeah, you will not find it on my walls any, anywhere because again, that's part of my personality. Meaning, you know, I don't, I don't need to live with my credentials on my shoulders. Some people do, and that's how, you know, that's kind of defines who they are. And I've never been that way. You know, well, I, yes, I so have a know. piece of paper that has, so you know, Dr. Schuler and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but that's not how I identify myself at all. Just so you know, I yep. don't have my GED on display anywhere either. I have it framed somewhere in storage, but I Good choose you, to not make other people feel less about themselves or smaller by no. flouting my achievements, such nope. as I, and there, there's actually no grade for GD, it's either pass or fail. So I passed according to the state of Alabama with my general equivalency diploma. So there's that. And it's in a fancy gold frame with matting. So Good for you. Yeah. There you go. But I keep it hidden just so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to show off. You just pull it out. It's like your, <clears throat> like your Trump card and someone really, <laughs> when they're really questioning, you just like slap it down. I should do what movie hole. stars do and hang it, hang it above the toilet. So you got your doctorate. Then you started playing with concrete. Yep. You did a class with Jeff Gerard. Mm-hmm. You learned everything you know about concrete from Jeff. After yep. that, what happened? After that? Well, it was always during that period of time. And I know, you know, just anybody who talked to me at the time, I was kind of central of a core where working with a group of us, we were starting the early phases of UHPC concretes. 
And not that we were looking to make the strongest concrete in the world. It was based on that same philosophy I stand by now. You know, I want a concrete that has inherent resistances, which typically means it's super dense and incredibly strong and et cetera, et cetera. And a sealing technology that enhances the concrete's ability rather than something that, you know, simply coats it and ends up the, the final film the reality is in that situation, and I'm not saying it's wrong, it's that the film is really all the set expectation of performance, not the concrete. And that's just never my point of view. So through those early phases, yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with uh, Lafarge, um, some of the early phases of ductile, um, you know, uh, silica fumes and different cements, micro, some couple micro cement companies and um, no, it was just a lot, of, a lot of fun, man. I, I guess I would say, you know, uh, take my closet chemistry and applied it into cement chemistries and sands, and then ultimately into silicate chemistries, which led to sealer chemistry and micropolymers. And I got hooked up with a, got to know the owners at the time of a company called Convergent out of Utah, and did a lot of work with them on sealers. And, you know, just continue to forge that path. And then yeah, total so side note to that is I love making things. I love it. I, I hasten to call myself an artist, but definitely I appreciate the artisan part of things. That's yeah. always been fun for me. That was going to be my next question, because really, John Schuler, how me and you came to know each other was through ICT in the very early days of ICT. Right. You were getting it out to guys to try and test and give you feedback. And you'd sent me some ICT and it didn't work with the concrete I was doing back then. It was a very basic and early form of GFRC that mm -hmm. was four ton VF774, 50% sand, 50% cement. It just didn't work well with that mix. But in time through Poslin blends, we got it to work really well, or you got it to work really well right. with yeah. ICT. But I digress. But that's how I came to know you was through Sealer. So Correct. what made you focus on trying to develop a sealer? It's got to be an incredible challenge to just walk in and say, I'm going to come up with a whole new technology <laughs> for sealing concrete. You know, that's a ridiculous challenge. Yeah. And a lot of time, energy and finances. And here's what I say, you know, for me, if anybody asked me one day, like, hey, John, you know, what do you what do you think is your strengths? I'll be the first to tell anybody. I don't think I'm the smartest person in the room by any stretch of the means. But what I do believe I'm, I'm good at, or at least tenacious at, if not good, tenacious, is problem solving and puzzles. So once I got involved with this end of chemistries, even back then, meet somebody like you who introduced me to an Achilles heel to this technology, then I'd have to solve it one way or another you know, figure it out. Why? Why isn't it working here? Then what? Was it water? What isn't it reacting with? And and all of that continue, even with the latest technologies, I think it was a year ago, year and a half ago, when I opened that up to people for testing, is the feedback for people to show me what was working, what wasn't working, why in their hands it didn't work, which allows me to continue to adopt. Because what people don't know because they're not, they don't, they don't live in my shop. They don't live in my area. Is you know, I'd never release anything to anybody until I've used it a minimum of a year. But what I have found time and time again with my chemistry is 
which is not the easiest chemistry in the world. And I think you and I have had this conversation, just my little story. There was a time actually, Sean Hayes, I'm not saying he did this intentionally, but he did hire a 30 year chemist when he was at, you know, Blue Concrete and Buddy Rhodes Products to make sealers. And one of the things that he did is try to reverse engineer. It was it was great. We, we sat down one day, all of us were at lunch. He pulls out a napkin. He says, you know, John, he was East Indian, super nice guy. John, you know, tell me what's going on. Now, I had Sean Hayes and Philip and Jeremy. We we're all sitting at lunch. I don't know, Applebee's or something. And when I started telling him what was in the sealer, you know, not like giving any IP or anything, just generalities. He kept telling me, nope, no, that can't, nope, like I was lying to him. And then the other three guys were, of course, bouncing their head like, yeah, John, see, you see, this is what the problem is. Anyway, long story short, I was out there for a week. And by the end of the week, when he sealed some pieces with my technology, he caught me as I was walking back up front, pulled me aside like, hey, John, yeah, now I can't do an East Indian accent, so I'm not even going to try essentially asked me if, if my stuff was proprietary and what I at all interested in opening up some of my IP to him because it just completely blew him away that this the things that I told him that t- typically would not go into a single bottle together was working beyond anything that he was able to achieve with simple acrylic chemistries or urethane chemistries. That was a good moment, at least for me. So ICT, I mean, it's been a journey of, that I'm aware of, at least 15, 16 years now that you've been refining and making advancements and sometimes setbacks because certain materials go offline, you can't get them anymore and you have to find something else. And I know Mm -hmm. it's kind of always been this, just a journey to get from where you were in 2005, 2006 to today with, with ICT. In that period, you you mentioned it a couple times now, you were working, so a guy named Sean Hayes of Blue mm-hmm. Concrete, which was a pigment supplier, bought right. Buddy Rhodes Concrete Products Correct from Buddy Rhodes the man. So then Sean Hayes bought Buddy Rhodes, and when he did that, is that is that when you kind of came over to help out, or how did you get involved with Sean and, and Blue no, Concrete? No, this actually goes, yeah, much, much earlier than that. I don't even remember the date, but do you remember when we had the first concrete countertop convention in Sacramento? Because I think that's when I I met you out there too, right? And I don't remember the date, but it was in 06 or 07, I would think somewhere around there. So at that time, the same. I mean, I, you know, had my name now was starting to float around a little bit just because of the various raw material manufacturers that I've spoken with and things that I was starting to work with and consulting I was doing with people at that time. So Sean Hayes, and this is again, the early phases, Murray Clark. I don't know if you, you remember Murray, right? He was kind of the first. Oh yeah. He's blue he's always, concrete. Always yeah, out in the right? factory. Exactly. He was always out in the factory, <laughs> which was his shed out. Well, back. Hold on. That's the part I yep. forgot. So, so Sean Hayes was Delta performance products. He bought right. Blue Concrete. Blue Concrete was Murray Clark. Correct. And Murray Clark's specialty was custom matching Benjamin Moore paint colors for concrete pigments. So Sean bought that component so they could start doing these custom blends. And then he bought Buddy Rhodes Concrete Products. Right. So the original Orion's, 
I got to know Sean is he called me up one day and he was doing a booth at that convention, Concrete Countertop Convention. And he asked me if I would be interested in being in the booth with him, you know, showing the sealers. And at first I turned him down because I'm like, no, you know, I'm not, I don't think they're ready for anybody yet. They work for me, but I've had them in some other people's hands and they weren't real happy with, you know, what was happening and stuff. But anyway, I ended up doing it anyway. That's how I got to meet Sean after the conference to me about getting involved with, at this time it was just blue concrete. They would distribute the sealers and et cetera, et cetera. And I said, no, at that time, I think it was six months, eight months later, he we got into another conversation and we decided, I decided to do it with him. Hence the blossoming of blue concrete, which then led down to a path of, I was started because sealer was just one thing. I was also doing the concrete, the admixtures. So then we started small batch blending in blue concrete. And I designed all the concrete materials at that time, which was all about admixtures. I mean, that, all of that was kind of the origins of how Sean and I got together. So when Sean bought Buddy Road's concrete products and brought that product line over, mm-hmm. you got involved in helping to make improvements. So there yeah, were redesign. things that you improved. Yeah, 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 you improved the mix to be denser and stronger and seal right. better with a reactive sealer. Correct. So that that's when actually I really kind of, because I used Buddy Rhodes Mix originally. When I started my company in 2004, I was using Buddy Rhodes Mix, but I moved away from it when I got into GFRC mm-hmm. and I was just doing my own, my own mix. And then when Sean bought Buddy Rhodes and you were working with them and you guys developed higher performance GFRC mixes using a blend of Poslins and stuff. That's when I kind of came back right. around to that and started using that product. Right. The goods and the bads of that particular time was Sean saw an opportunity buddy for, and I, I mean, I've talked to buddy about this over the years, but you know, he had some things going on. And so Sean ended up getting involved, picked up buddy Rhodes products with the idea that at that time, Buddy Rhodes Products had a fairly large distribution network. So we instantly saw a value in having a huge, everything from Ace Hardware's, gosh, I can't even remember some of the companies now that all had Buddy Rhodes Products on board. True Value it, and Ace. Yeah, right. those, those are the ones I remember. Yeah, yeah it was so that was the, the big bounce to purchasing the Buddy Rhodes brand. The difficulty with the Buddy Rhodes brand, and even Buddy would say, is, yeah, you know, he had some, I'm just going to say, issues with the materials. They would curl, they would shrink, but still, I mean, his whole ideas were amazing. So, yeah, I I broke everything back down, redesigned everything, brought it back again, you know, for Sealer and the whole nine yards, and launched the new branded Buddy Rhodes products. And and that that was a good time for a while. How long did that go on? Because when was that? Like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there, maybe? Yeah, maybe 12. I, again, I, I think we re- I'd have to go look, but I'm going to say somewhere between five to seven years. You know, we started small. Well, first with blue concrete. And then as we as blue concrete scaled up and, you know, that's when Jeremy came on board and and then Philip came on board because as we were getting bigger and bigger, you know, you just you know, needed other people at the wheel. And especially when we brought on Buddy Rhodes products. And again, 
started growing further beyond that. Yeah, I mean, that was a good time, man. Remember, we had the epics. We had all these kind of cool things. But along those, yeah, we still, I mean, we had the challenges. Challenges of redesigning the materials, you know, some internal conflicts. And then as you were just, if we keep going back to sealer, I mean, with the sealing technology, you know, all the IP is mine. And the difficulty with my technology is, as opposed to just, you know, having other product manufacturers and just putting them together into a single bottle, you know, for me to find a solution to something that maybe I don't like, whatever it is, maybe, you know, how do I make it apply better or, or, um, penetrate better, whatever better means in my head, you know, it's me always having to engineer. First, I have to ask my own questions, then I have to answer my own questions. And then that point I have to get with some of the relationships that I have out there with huge companies, by the way, and their their chemical departments, to then design something to fit my chemistry. And my chemistry can be pretty volatile, you know, changes in temperature, changes in heat. You know, it can be pretty volatile. It's interesting, to say the least. Sometimes it's stressful, <laughs> much more stressful than, um, I still remember one time, Ames' sister. So my sister-in-law, I don't know what it was, six, eight years ago, she was having a conversation with me. And she's just like, why did you just, why don't you just go back to this, meaning pharmacy? And, you know, you'd have a salary and you'd have a set expectation and somebody, your hours and a 401k and, you know, why don't you just quit doing this? And uh, my answer to her was like, (laughs) because, you know what, for most of us entrepreneurs, this is the opportunity to either, you know, grow beyond your dreams or, you know, or burn out and drive it into the ground. It's it's on you. So this is what I continue to do. I'd say another challenge, at least from the outside looking in, when you were with Buddy Rhodes Blue was different philosophies, because that's the term you like to use a lot, philosophies, yep. with sealing. I remember there was a, a time when they were selling a reactive urethane, which essentially, I, I want to say is urethane. They're taking a topical mm-hmm. and just mixing it, I believe, with ICT mm-hmm. right. and saying this is a reactive urethane, but that's not really the way the chemistry works. And that was a, kind of a boondoggle of a product. True. And that was some of the internal friction, the internal friction of that, yeah. that would go on. It was designed to work I a certain it. way. And then other people didn't want it to work that way because they had their own philosophy on the way things would work or should work. And yeah, so I'm going to say that was one of those, I wouldn't say failed attempt, but (laughs) there's no question, a challenging, difficult situation. But I think the, uh, I think that product, I think Buddy Road still has that product. I don't know how many people are still using it, but yeah, it's, they still have it. I hope, I hope none. Yeah, because I used it for one project and it was a complete catastrophe. I should have just stuck with ICT, but at the time, the person I was talking to at Buddy Rhodes Products, this is back when it was with Delta, was mm-hmm. telling me, oh, for outdoors, you want to use this. You want to use this reactive urethane. It still has the ICT on board, but it's got a topical component to it. It's designed for outdoors. I said, great, sign me up. That sounds exactly like what I want. And it was so difficult to apply. It did not look good when it was done. And the performance did not hold up near as well as just straight ICT would have held up. And so in my opinion, 
it was a, a horrible product. I look back at all those years. I still remember a conversation I had with Sean Hayes. In fact, I recently I talked to Sean again. You know, um, once in a while I give him a call based on things and we talk about materials or whatever. During that time, even though I totally understand why things got sold to Smooth On, which was supposed to be this amazing idea, you know, Smooth On was going to take this company and, you know, much bigger than than we were able to do. They had, you know, salesman staff and all these kind of things. There were some hurt feelings about it at the time. I got caught up in some uncomfortable situations based on who owned what IPs and et cetera, et cetera, which uh, is a whole nother discussion <laughs> you know, uh, that uh, kind of went sideways during all that. You know what? If it hadn't been for that whole moment in my life, you know, I wouldn't taken the kids to Disneyland. I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today, you know, with all those challenges, good, bad or otherwise. True. It's all worked out. And like I said, it was during that yeah. period of time I got to work with, actually work with Jeff, <laughs> again, in some difficult situations where I think he more put up with me than anything else, because that's another situation where our philosophies are very different. And in the, because of that, I think sometimes, obviously, I can be pretty difficult to work with because then my philosophy doesn't change. Well, in the last days of Buddy Rhodes Products, when it was owned by Blue Concrete and Delta Performance, they acquired Concrete Countertop Institute. And yeah. so Jeff and Lane were, I don't know, did they move to Georgia at that point? Did they move down there? No, they, they didn't. They still stayed so in I North Carolina. Quite a bit. Yeah, okay. they, they came down but they quite were coming a bit. down to yeah. Georgia. Correct. Yeah. And you would go yeah. there quite a bit. And so there was, yep. you guys were working together on different stuff and but it was right there at the kind of the last couple months of that time period before Smooth On acquired Buddy Rhodes products. Right. Yeah. And they yeah. actually acquired the the CCI as well. But then with some agreements, they uh, they released CCI so that, you know, now, you know, which I think is a good thing for Jeff and, and Lane oh. specifically. Yeah, yeah. To be, you know, back in charge of their own destiny, if that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. That's a good segue to the next part of your story, and that is Smooth On. And mm -hmm. so Buddy Rhodes Products sells to Smooth On, which, as you said, was supposed to be this really great thing. And my opinion, and it's just my opinion, it has not worked out that way. Uh, Smooth On is not a bad company. I don't have any bad feelings towards Smooth On or any ill will towards Smooth On, but Smooth On is a robber company not a concrete company. And so, you know, I'm seeing some other concrete product companies sell to conglomerates like that, mm -hmm. that are in other markets. And I think that's a really bad move because if you're selling, I don't know, uh, tin ceilings and, and air conditioning vents, what do you know about concrete? Why is this company purchasing a concrete product company and how are they ever going to be able to service that industry? And so when SmoothOn bought Better Roads products, I think their thought was, these are guys that use rubber. They're concrete guys. This is a great way to market to that industry. Let's buy this, and then we'll have an in to sell to these guys. But right. that being said, they didn't have the experience, the know-how, the knowledge, the background to service that industry, to know what the materials are, to know what changing one ingredient might Once it moved from Georgia to uh, SmoothOn's headquarters to be blended, it changed dramatically. And I think that could have been a change in sands, a change in a poslin, whatever it may have been, but a substitution 
drastically influenced the, the final product and product and how it mixed and everything else. You know, again, Smoothon, not a bad company, good rubber mm. company. If you want to buy rubber, buy, buy rubber from Smoothon. As far as concrete goes, I think it was a bad fit for them personally. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, like I said, I, I'm not involved with them anymore and I haven't been for, I think it's two, two and a half years now since I'm going to say we had an amicable splitting of our ways, if you will. We'll see what they do. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to say they still have all the best intentions in what they're doing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where all the chips fall as we all keep moving forward. What's, what's that saying? The road is paved with good intentions. Yeah, that's true. Well, you had your difficulty. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's why we, that's why Kodiak is now Kodiak. You know, as you yeah. said, other than the obvious, you know, trying to look for new things that work the way you wanted them to work. And uh, one of your challenges was that particular company became difficult to work with for one reason or another Maybe it was personalities. Maybe they were, you know, going a new direction. Who knows? But they became difficult to work with, right? Isn't that what happened with you? Well, yeah. Two things with me is, number one, the products changed. In my mind, that is uh, unequivocal. That happened. That was my experience. I was using Ultra Seals. I was using the Polymer Liquid Z Plus or Liquid Polymer Plus, whatever they called it at that point. I was using these things and my mix had not changed in a long time, but when the transition happened, it changed dramatically as far mm -hmm. as performance, usability, color, sealing. So there were some substitutions made on their end, which I get because going from Georgia to there, there's going to be different ingredients available locally. Why would I ship these ingredients here? I'll just get this. It looks the same. It's the same color. The spec sheet says right. it's the same thing. But as you know, and I know that doesn't necessarily translate. Just because Correct. a sales spec sheet says this doesn't mean it's apples to apples. And so there are some substitutions made, in my opinion, that affected the, the product. And I did not like that. And I was not psyched on it. And before that, even, the products I was using were good, but they weren't great. I always felt for all those years there was room for improvement, but I was comfortable enough that I didn't want, I don't want to be the person to make the improvement. I don't want to take right. that on. I was like, you know, this is... Eh, it'll get me by. I can make it. I can make what I want to make. It'll stay together. It's not going to break. It'll do. So that happened. And then the second thing was customer service. They're a huge company. You know, the good thing about Sean Hayes was it was a small company and you could get somebody on the phone. You could get products shipped out. You could have a conversation right. with somebody. You could talk to somebody that knew what they were talking about, such as you. I could call up. I'm having problems. I could get you on the phone. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? And you knew what you were talking about. With smooth on, well, it felt like more of a community. Company. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you exactly. were calling up and talking to a friend again, and you know, where um, where that company is as amazing as they might be, they're also far more corporate. You know, they're a huge company. I, I've heard numbers thrown around that they're like two hundred million dollars a year in rubber or things like that. Mm -hmm. and I believe it, but that's that's their business. So they're a big company. When you call there, you're you don't get that same level of customer support. You don't really get any customer support. And then if you do happen to talk to somebody, which I'm not talking to anybody, asking them how to do concrete there or problem solve stuff, but people do. Attendees of our workshops would call Buddy Rhodes products smooth on. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm having this problem. And they talk to somebody that never in their life have they once mixed up concrete ever. 
but this is the person answering the phone, giving other people advice on how to problem solve whatever issues they're having. I don't agree with that. That's yeah, not good customer that. service. Now I get it. They're a big company. Yeah, but they're not a concrete company. And unfortunately, like I said, I've seen some other concrete brands, uh, materials brands, sell to these big companies that are in other industries that are just buying up these companies, but they don't have any experience in that. It's so well, it's an interesting. In this, yeah, this this artisan niche market is a you know we are an, an interesting group of people. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's small. Yeah, it's small, but it's it's literally the tip of the spear for concrete technology. So this right. isn't post hole concrete. We're not mixing up 3000 PSI concrete to set a, um, a fence post. You know, this is extremely, extremely complex and high tech concrete technology. And so to talk to somebody that's never done this in their life and have that person advise me on what I'm doing wrong and how to remedy it is not the way Agreed. in my opinion. And so that's, well, that's, that's kind of been that's where why we're at today. How with, I felt. What, what we have, yeah, yeah that's, I um, fell away from it. Well, and that's why I got into it. I mean, I, I, uh, like I do with Sealer, I looked at a concrete uh, completely different to some of the cement chemists that I know, and we'll get into conversations, and they're like, John, why are you even thinking about it that way? And I'm like, because, listen, man, I don't care. <laughs> You're still trying to look at this from a bridge or you know, whatever the case may be. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I need it to work with my hands and create textures and model with colors and be pretty. And I mean, you know, we, we have such an entirely different set of expectations. It's not one expectation, it's expectations compared to other industries that have, I'm going to say, similar products they might call available like concrete, even the UHPC market. So, you know, I mean, as of right now, the materials that we have, it's not even comparable. I mean, we use the acronyms, but it's not comparable at all to other things out there. No, I mean, usability to other UHPCs on the market are not usable at all no, for what we're doing. Night yeah. and day. If you're trying to use ductile, yeah. Which is a good product, by the way. I mean, these use... other ones are amazing yeah. products. They're just geared for entirely different use. That's all. And Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those yeah. things that if, if I was casting a thin shell uh, pavilion roof structure, ductile would be great for that. Yeah. But if I'm trying to cast a really intricate concrete chair or concrete sink or concrete countertop and I need a certain consistency and mixed design and fiber loading and fiber type, they just don't work. They just don't Agreed. work. And there's some other products on the market that claim to be UHPCs, and they might hit those strengths, but they have a plasticizer pre-blended. So again, the usability goes out the window. You can't use that product. As we go all the way back, we've been focused on sealer. If we walk back to the beginnings of, in fact, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm actually talking to you with my laptop and everything sitting on one of the original tables that I made by modeling colors and stuff. That was some of my early transitions in creating mixed designs that would take color without bleeding color, allow you to model colors together, create tight lines, you know, stone-like if you will. And I've taken all of my artisan style if you, if I can call it that, my artisan style over the years and created 
concrete mixes to accommodate those styles. So that's, again, that's a very different way to come at concrete than what anybody else in the industry is coming to concrete. I agree 100%. It's funny you brought that up because I'd forgotten when we went to Australia, you mm-hmm. did a mix down there. And I can't remember what year that was, 2008, 2009, maybe we went to Australia. Maybe later, I don't know. I'm so horrible at dates, as anybody that listened to my podcast knows that I was off by an entire year. Yeah, right. You lost a year. But I know. But you did a mix down there where you took a, a black concrete and a white concrete, and the consistency yeah. was such that you're able to layer them together, roll it up like a cinnamon roll, slice yeah. it, and it legit looked like a black and white cinnamon roll. And then you twisted it out and patted it out into a countertop. And I thought, dude. A, this yeah, isn't going to turn out because it just looked gray when it was all yeah. in there. It just looked gray. Like, this is not going to turn out, and it's just going to look stupid. That, that's what I was thinking. That was, you know. No, totally get it. The next day, we flipped it over, and it looked cool, but it was still muddled. And then you hit it with a right. water polisher, and those lines were so tight between the black and the white. It was insane, and the look was insane. Yeah. It was incredible. So, yeah, I remember that. I remember when you were playing with those types of looks and, and ideas on how to – get looks with concrete. Yeah. That's when we have that conversation with people about styles, like how did you get into your style? Well, early on for me, Hey man, I'm, I'm willing to say this sealer technology, or let's say the ability to seal concrete. I was not impressed with. So I came at even my concrete from a different direction. And that was, if you have enough, I hate to call them stone like features, but enough movement and cool stuff going on with the concrete, well, then if something happened to that surface, like a whatever, an oil stain or whatever the case may be, nobody would ever notice. It would just make it as part of this amazing something. Early on, that's focused a lot on creating these kind of styles so that I could make a living selling countertops and sinks and vanities and et cetera. And it was amazing. And I did huge projects like that. In fact, if you come to Murphy's right here on Main Street Murphy's, you'll see all kinds of our work from, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago that are in wine tasting rooms. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, honestly, after doing it for so long and then getting good at it, with the concrete too, because I designed again the morphing all that into blue concrete and Buddy Rhodes products as I moved along this transition. That's where I kind of got, I don't know, man, over it. You know, you've been doing something so long and then you got good at it. Now it's time to hit a, you know, climb a new mountain, which then led me really to focus on upright casting techniques which some of those mixed designs at that time that were designed around the ability to model color, they didn't work so great for trying to do hand tooled. So now I had to take that concrete that was exceptional for doing these kind of things and the exceptional for sealing and then allow it to be able to do both, which was a a whole new dilemma. (laughs) <laughs> so that you didn't end up with multiple mixed designs, you know, you could still morph it into one um, that would have a multitude of uses and abilities. So that was fun. And so you parted ways with Smooth On. You guys decided to go your own way. Yeah. I yeah. launched Kodiak Pro 
I was moving along with that. And me and you were talking, you, you've been training with Concrete Design School now as a trainer for many years. Mm-hmm. So you and I are in contact, you know, before, before you came on with Kodak Pro, we, we talked every few days at minimum. And it just kind of made sense that you're kind of out on your own now and I'm doing this thing and I could use somebody like you that really has a deeper understanding of material science and sealer science than I do yep. to come on board and help kind of do what you did with Buddy Rhodes. And that is refine the mixes, update the mixes, things like that. And so you came on to Kodak Pro, you made some adjustments to Maker Mix, you made adjustments to Rad Mix that made them work better. Um, there's some really now, interesting... So you, you tell the, you, I'm going to say you give the, I'm going to say the easy way about it, because when I talk to people about it is this, and uh, this is my John Schuler truthful. When me and Smooth on parted ways, I was over it. You remember that? <laughs> I was like, I am done with this industry. I'm over yeah. it. I am done. I am done. I am done. I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Fine, I'll come out and teach, you know, if you would like me to teach. But um, otherwise, I'm just crawling back into my hole, into my shop, and doing my own thing. And for a minute, that's what I did. I can't remember how long. Six months, maybe it was a year, I can't remember. But it was actually, you know, Brandon Gore (laughs) that talked me back off the ledge. And that was part of our conversations is you were going this direction per what you wanted to do and what I'd be interested in being a part of it. And at first, as you recall, no, (laughs) I don't want any part of it. Uh, Meaning I love the teaching part of it, but I did not want any part of the rest of it. You know, once we sat down and we started talking and then I got to know your chemist, that's when I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, here are these entirely new things that I have been working on and designing for a while. And then you and I started working together and let's say fitting the needs of the manning, meaning me, you and Dusty at the time, right? And morphing what you had already developed a foundation for and then taking it into a direction based on the way I don't know, let's say my out-of-the-box thinking, which is was at the time different than your chemist. Yeah, I mean, you, so yeah, you kind of, you know, threw the lasso and brought me back into this thing, and which was a great thing because I was in a real funk at the time, as you recall. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we talked about it in the last podcast. So, you know, when when we, when I get a text from somebody who's who's testing the Kodiak products against the materials they're currently using. And you got to put this picture out so people get actually a a realistic idea of what we're talking about. And then shows me a material with a third less pigment loading that looks night and day. I mean, that, I don't know how to say it. Like that, that's what inspires me, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? The, The day I got that text from him, Troy, by the way, I was like, "Baha! Now you see what I'm talking about. This is what makes this well, so crazy. amazing and so different, um, based on what we are doing compared to what other products and what direction we're trying to move versus other products." And and yeah, I mean, I can't tell you that that had me flying on a cloud and still does when I pull up those pictures again and actually talked to Troy that day, who prior to thought I was just blowing smoke up his backside. 
until he actually saw it with his own eyes by casting it himself. And all of a sudden now he's sold, you know. Number one, you were super excited because you called me at 930 at night and I didn't answer. <laughs> I sent you a text and said, unless you're in a ravine and you can't yeah. get a hold of your wife or 911, do not call me at 930 at night. And you're like, dude, right. I'm so excited. You Come on, this is amazing. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, hey, it's great, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> Number two, the, the product that Troy was using is a product that you developed. Right. But you developed it five, seven, eight years ago. And so yeah. that just shows the evolution. You know, that product for most people is the cutting edge, but that product is already almost a decade. It's your IP, but it's a decade old. And right. in that time span, this Maker Mix and Rad Mix, I think he used Rad Mix for his test, is right. such a leap forward in the direction of technology with materials. That that's, that's the difference. So it's not even like he's using some off-the-shelf product from Home Depot or Lowe's. He's using a, a quote-unquote quality product, and it was a quality product. Eh, I, I shouldn't say it was. It is a quality product, but it's good, and there's something that's far better now. Correct. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. the next leap forward. Well, you know, and, and I didn't say that's, I guess, one of the epitomes of my life. I, I still remember, I think it's AIM. She, she always hit me sometimes like, John, do, do you ever slow down? Like, and you know, you hear that sometimes, right? Like, man, take the opportunity to smell the roses or whatever. Every time I reach something, whatever that you think that top of the plateau is going to be, once I get there, yeah, I take a breath for a moment, but then I'm I'm looking for the next plateau. That that's what inspires me. That's what's inspired me with the chemistry of the sealers over the years. That's what in that's what keeps me going with the cement chemistries or the concrete chemistries. You know, continuing to move these in directions that either other people they just don't want to, they're not interested in it. Um because that would be something Sean used to tell me over the years too. Like, John, at what point is good good enough? <laughs> it's not. We're going to keep pushing well, this thing until, you know, until we take it someplace that we can all sit back and go, man, that is amazing. The so. saying is good enough is the enemy of great. And that's, that's true. true. You know, good enough. A lot of guys settle it good enough. And I settled it good enough for a lot of years. It's good enough. A plate's not going to fall through it. It's not going to fall right. apart. It's good enough. But once you have awareness and once you have perspective of what the next generation is, then good enough isn't sufficient. You have to have great. You can't go right. back. You have to use this product. And so at Troy, that was his experience was he's been using this product for many, many years. He tried Radmix mind blown. He's a customer now because now he has perspective of what that means in real world environments. This is, this is the difference and it's significant. It's not incremental. It's a big jump. Yeah. And I, I mean, personal witness, you know, I just got done remodeling our kitchen. Well, half the kitchen, the other half has to get done. It's, it's neat to me to have people I have known friends who will come over now and they are immediately drawn to the other side of the kitchen because the richness and color, the way it feels, you know, they rub their hands on it. I mean, it's just it's such a different animal than the other part of the kitchen that I think I did that 12 years ago, which, you know, 
was beautiful I, well, at the I saw time. that kitchen. I saw it. Yeah. No, I loved it. I was going to say, is that mm-hmm. kitchen, those countertops, you should have me, and I could tell you're a little hmm, hesitant. You're yeah. kind of like, you're kind of like pre-qualifying. Hey, man, I did these at that point, like five years, yeah. you know, five years ago. Right. Eh, I don't really do this anymore. You know, blah, 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 blah. And I was blown away with how good they looked. They looked awesome, those countertops. And there's a photo. I'll have to see if I still have it. But there's a photo I took of a glass of whiskey on your concrete countertops. And your countertops looked amazing. So yeah, they I look still forward do. to seeing. My wife loves them. I mean, AIM loves yeah. that side of the kitchen. And uh, yeah, she's, in fact, we were just talking about it the other day. Because she's like, no, I don't, I don't want these torn out. But, you know, but we are. We're replacing the cabinets in the whole nine yards. And I'm like, well, you know, babe, this was, this was then. <laughs> you know, I, which, you know, I, I don't know, and I say that all the time when I walk around through local businesses and jobs that I did. It's not that they don't look amazing and they bring back amazing memories, but, um, and who knows? I know you and I have talked about this. I, I might bring some of those modeling techniques back again just to show people uh, how to create and not end up looking like a dairy cow. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, um, we'll see. Oh, they're nice. I look forward to seeing the newest countertops at your house. I'm sure they're amazing. I saw the sinks. They look really nice. That brings me to my last question, John. What's next for John Schuler? What do you see yourself doing in the next five to 10 years? Next five to 10 years. I want to, you know, work together with you and continue to get Kodiak to a level that, you know, to get it into people's hands. That's my excitement right now. And it's going to be for a long period of time. I have some ideas to do in the shop, which, you know, typically in the shop, I shut down my shop every winter to work on, I'm going to call it personal artisan growth. I have two more projects I still got to do for clients. So probably starting in December, I'll be shutting down December, January, February, and focus on some of that again. I have some new ideas of to create some textures and et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's always moving. Kodiak and ICT, I can't tell you how happy I am with this new CT chemistry. It's pretty amazing. At the moment, I can't think of another direction to take it. But no, to to keep focus on what we're doing is where I'm going to be for a while. That's for sure. I can tell you a direction we can take it. That's renaming it to the best sealer. (laughs) You know what? That's rad sealer. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) keep it simple. The best plasticizer the best sealer in rad mix. There you go. Bing, bada, boom. See, uh, there's there's a um, system here, a naming system in place, and it makes sense. Get rid of the Which CT, I've never, CT yeah. this, CT that. That's not my thing, yeah. Well, everything I've always well, for me has been about acronyms. Every sealer company's thing is complex acronyms. HF12ZR663H. Mm-hmm. It's like it's always some craziness. Instead of just sealer, you know, it's never just what it is. Although Prime, it's named Prime, which I like because that is the step that is the Prime step. So that's good. And, you know, you've gotten away from like first seals and all that kind of stuff, which is good. Right. So your your naming system is evolving in a way that is more intuitive, which is getting better at it. It's not confusing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But at some point. At some point, when uh, when ICT is 
100% moved over to Kodiak, which someday hopefully we'll, we'll get it in that direction. We'll just rename the whole thing to just the best sealer. Yeah. The best sealer. Have you guys yeah. heard about the best sealer? TBS. You got to use the TBS. best sealer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best sealer. Yeah. You got to see it. Well, no, man, I'm excited yeah, again. Man. So, yeah, we're, this is this is what I'm going to be focused on for a while. I'd like to get the, uh, as you and I have talked about many times, I'd like to, let's say, develop the community spirit again. Uh, seems like we've definitely talked about it in some podcasts, that this kind of fractured kind of thing that's happened over the, the last years. And again, maybe totally coincidental, but it seemed like it definitely went tribalistic for a while, you know, post moving to smooth on why I don't know, you know, it just is. So, you know, focused on bringing all that back and continuing to stay on the front edge of quality and products. I mean, that's now that's where my focus is again. So both of us have been doing this for almost two decades, right at two decades each. We've been in this for almost 20 years each. And in that time period, we've both gone from product designers, manufacturers, uh, product users, to now we're kind of, I don't know, if we're like the grandfathers of the industry, it kind of feels like it talking to some of these, some of these guys that are in you know, the early 20s. But we're kind of at the stage now to where I kind of am excited, and I think you are too, about helping to foster the future of this industry with materials with training and with community because community is such an important aspect of it that has fallen to the wayside in recent years. Kodiak Pro, we want to kind of make the concrete world a better place. We want to bring guys together and support each other and help each other. I think that is exciting. I'm excited for the future and we're still doing fabrication, new product ideas. I have tons of ideas for designs which are now so much more feasible with maker mix than they were with my previous mixes due to the complexity of the shapes and the thinness of the shapes. So I'm really excited about that. I'm equally excited about what can we do to help elevate this industry together and let's get everybody involved and let's just kind of all work together, become a united front and move concrete forward because we were going in that direction for a while and then it all just kind of fractured and splintered off in all these different groups the momentum that it had as a material in the industry uh, going against salt surface and granite and what have you, I kind of feel like it's stagnated and there's a lot of room to kind of get that momentum back again of generating excitement and generating positive expectations from clients. Because that's the other part of the concrete industry that we all know exists, but we don't want to talk about is client perceptions of what concrete is and how it should perform are not that good in general. But that doesn't have to be that way. And if we could work together, and I'm saying me and you and everybody involved, whether they use our product or not, but if we can work together to develop better ways of doing things, to develop better end results for clients, it'll it'll pay dividends for the reputation for concrete for the long run to develop this and to grow it. And everybody does better if everybody does better. You know, so if we all do our part to make the best product possible – then everybody will generate more business, more revenue, and ultimately will be able to put more away for their kids' college fund. We, we're talking about individuals, but I'm talking even community spirit. We talked about Jeff and Lane earlier in CCI. I'm serious. I'd love to get those guys involved again. You know, I miss talking to 100%. them. 100%. They're, uh, they're good people. 
good people. So that'd be well, exciting maybe, to get them together. Just spitballing here. Maybe yeah. we should get them on a future podcast, Jeff and Lane, and chat with them. But yeah, I agree 100%. I, Jeff and Lane, every class that we teach, there's people that have come to the class that come to the class that have attended a CCI workshop. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, they ask, what do you guys think about CCI? Jeff Gerard, mm-hmm. without fail, because I, I believe it and you believe it. It's a great class. Yeah. Well worth no the question. money. I'm sure that yeah. if you went, you feel that it was a good value. And if you want to go, you won't regret it. You'll go to that class and you will learn a lot. We just teach totally different things. Neither one is the way and neither one is wrong. So both of them are valid. So the philosophy and the techniques that we teach are different than what CCI teaches and Jeff Gerard. And both of them are worthy, valuable information that's worth your time to explore and learn. So that's, uh, I think, you know, 2022, especially if we can come out of all this COVID stuff, or at least just live with it a lot easier. Yeah, no, I think that would be a great time to get reaching out to other people and get working together again and, and fostering old relationships that maybe got stagnated. And no, it's, it should be great. We've had a great year this year, right? I mean, this the, the run so far yep. and getting uh, getting the information out and bringing people back. When I say bringing people back, that, that's what I mean. People who fell out of the community for one reason or another, you know, and, you know, building back at least where it was prior to, again, I, I hate to keep blaming on the, the sell to Pennsylvania, you know, to smooth on, but you know, part of, there's no question part of it. They're a great company. They're an amazing company, but it's a very different philosophy. I would say the fracture or the what happened then was it went from being a small community-owned company, Sean Hayes, right. you're involved, and these other people, to a large rubber company. Yeah, and when that happened, yeah. the community that had, yeah, that had been built up around this product line completely dissolved. And when it dissolved, everybody kind of went their own way. And it did become more tribal at that point. Mine's better than yours. You guys do that. Whatever. It's so stupid. Yeah. When you think about it and you say it out loud, it is yeah, the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah it it's ridiculous. Yeah. But that's kind of what happened. You know, what John Schuler, Brandon Gore, Dusty Baker, and all the guys that are using Kodiak are trying to do is let's bring that community back together again. Right. You know, let's all meet up again. Let's have a good time. Let's make those connections. Let's make those friendships. Jason Robertson's success in the industry is directly related to the relationships and support structure he developed by attending a concrete design school workshop. And that is critical if you want to make it in this industry. You know, there was a time period where I went my own way, where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm over all this. I'm, you know, kind of just, I'll do my yep. own thing. And that's, that's a tough road, man. It's a lot easier when you can call on people and say, hey, I need a hand. Can you help me? Absolutely. Yep. I'm happy to help you. That's a much easier way to do things. So that's what we're trying to, to foster, develop, create, and promote. Yes, sir. That's what we're doing, and it's we're going to keep moving forward. Yeah, I'll be seeing you, well, man. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Yeah, well, good talking tomorrow. to you. Yeah, and next week we'll do a podcast while you're here. Well, at least we'll try to. We'll be training, but we'll try to break away. Maybe we'll do a podcast with somebody in the class. That'd be kind of fun. And we'll try to do, we'll see if it happens, but we'll try to do a Facebook Live while you're here, the two of us, and see if we can make that work. Look for that next week. Till next time. We'll talk to you later. Adios, amigo.